As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a growing network of people who believe the center of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, and that learning to take love seriously is vital for how we practice discipleship, mission, and leadership. The Gravity Leadership Podcast explores, in practical ways, how to root our lives and our leadership in this love that holds all of us and everything together. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. I'm here with Ben and Matt. How are you guys doing? Yo, yo. We're doing all right. <laughs> Not too see. bad. Just Linton. It's Linton. Linton. Just Linton. Yes. <laughs> As we say Linton. in Indiana. <laughs> We're doing our Linton Linting. <laughs> I mean, don't you Actually, kind of feel like since, you know, March 15 of last year, I've been Linting? It's the wait, most Lentiest Lent we've ever this had. This is the Lentiest. It was the Adventiest Advent we ever Advented. And now this does feel. Like since last, I can't remember when Lent started last year. Were we already in Lent when this? We all, were already in for a while, at least for part of it. For a couple of weeks, anyway. So this does feel like a Lentier Lent because last Lent, I just I just put on the uh, um, I just put on social media the other day. It was like it's it's almost the one year anniversary of. Hmm. I think we might have to cancel in person worship for a couple of weeks. <laughs> right. <laughs> Little did we know. But yeah, that, that's coming up, isn't it? Like this. This podcast is releasing March second, which just means that I, I feel like March 9th, That's in my mind. Was that a Sunday? I feel like it was like right around now mm-hmm. that it was mm-hmm. like, wait a second, what's happening? We might for need us to... in Colorado. It was like March fifteen. Yeah. And I truly kind of feel like there needs to be kind of a mourning or a hmm. like a Some lamenting sort of or yeah. something of just acknowledging it's yeah. been a rough year. It has been a rough year. Yeah, it took it me it took me an hour to get my son in the shower this week because mm. he finally all of the pain and the loneliness and the frustration and the lack of human connection yeah. just uh, was more than his little 78-pound body could bear, yeah. and he couldn't move his body. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And I, as I as we, I sat there with him, and he just named, there's no friends in my class, I don't enjoy school, I don't want to go play outside because this new friend is mean to me and nobody else. As he just poured it all out, I just thought, mm. man, this is all of us. Like we're all laying on the ground, not able to get up to go get in the shower. Except yeah. as adults, we've got, totally. you know, another cup of coffee or, a you know, um, fear of losing our house to keep us going. <laughs> but, a, but a 12-year-old. But yeah, that's how it feels, though. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. I, I just, I think yeah. I, I need to constantly remind myself, this ain't normal. Everybody is freaking out. Yes. In their own way. And let's, let's just be patient and kind to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because life is hard enough, as this interview from Gino today (laughs) is. Even not not in a pandemic, uh, people can have hard times. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, Gino talks about his personal story, right? Yes, he does. And and really kind of describes the the spiritual abuse that that he has gone through. Mm. And... um, and yeah, I'm thankful that he's able to articulate that and be honest and vulnerable in that because yeah. it's that's real courage and it real is. bravery for someone to share their story because we need other people need to hear it. We need to hear that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and he he does it in such a and you'll hear some of this in the interview, but like there, there's like a um, I, I really admire him for doing this. He, he's part of our team uh, as well. Um, he's our community liaison at Gravity. Um, and he, I really admire him for doing this because I, um, I have tried to talk about experiences of spiritual abuse before and it's, it's like, there's a re-traumatizing kind of feeling like my heart starts beating really fast and it like, it feels like you're re-experiencing it. And so I just really admire him and respect him for taking the time to, to tell this story. Um, because I know how difficult it is for somebody to recount these events, but I, it, I'm hoping this story will be really helpful for people who, unfortunately, have very similar experiences. We've heard a lot of these kinds of things, um, just abuse of power in the church um, and how that manifests in the the stories. And it can hearing somebody else talk about it, it just makes you feel a little bit less alone. Like, oh, that maybe I'm not, maybe I wasn't the problem there. You know, maybe maybe this was bad. Maybe this was as bad as it felt, and that yeah. there's nothing wrong with me necessarily. It can be really yeah. helpful and encouraging. Well, let's get into it. Let's hear Gino's story. All right, here we go. Hey, Gino, welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Hey, Matt, Ben, good to be with you guys. Hey, good to have you, man. That's the voice of Gino Kirkaruto. He's a church planner, chiropractor, dad of several, husband Four. of husband of one. Uh, Gino lives in Philly. He's at a church called The Table, which is also the name of uh, been in our church. Been no in my, relation. Been in my church. No, maybe some relation. Yeah. No, they're like uh, kissing cousins. You know, yeah, this yeah. church is exactly. uh, share a lot. And, and we got yeah, um, yeah. Gino is we at the, the Table, <laughs> The Table Philly, and he. <laughs> Uh, also has recently taken a position at Gravity. So, Gino, maybe give us any uh, details I left out about your bio there and uh, maybe tell us a bit about what you do with Gravity. 
Yeah, um, thanks. You guys seem pretty excited to have me on. You're like talking over each other. That's awesome. I love well, that. Well, my internet's so, lagging, could, so I could oh, be a I delay in the internet. I might lag so, over you too. So it's not enthusiasm. <laughs> Good. That we got that out We're of the way. We're enthusiastic. We're enthusiastic <laughs> about you, Gino. Yes. So I, yes, I'm a, a pastor, church planner, the table, Philadelphia, um, husband to Jill and father of four, almost all teenagers right now. Mm. And working with Gravity, I'm the community liaison and a coach. So I work with our community to, one, like develop community and get them connected into the resources that might help them and just listen to where they're at in their lives and their their context from ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Maybe um, tell us a bit, how did you how did you get in contact with Gravity? What what Where, where did that initial contact happen? Man, so it's a, kind of an interesting story. I mean, it will... It will come up in my story as we, we talk oh. today, but I met Sternkey, um, I think about eight years ago. We started yeah, doing some a, training together. We were blur. put into some breakout rooms. He was kind of like my training partner, like training me to train others. Mm. Um, and that was before there was a gravity leadership. Yeah. Yeah. I worked with Ben Hardman for a while, and I was in his house, I believe, staying with him, doing a training mm. in Ohio when you guys were having calls. He had to excuse himself about forming gravity, and he started telling <laughs> me about this thing and invited me into it, and I was like, I'm not interested to be a part of anything right now because just where I was in my life, nothing against you guys, but where I was. <laughs> and so, But now, how I've recently gotten connected to, to gravity is um, going through a cohort and participating in the training and feeling like it, it really changed my life in a lot of ways. And some of my hmm. my story is reflected in how this has changed my life. Or at least I'd say that some of the problems, the challenges that I've come up and how I understand leadership, how I deal with power, how I relate to it personally, hmm. and try to um, use it in, in my life in all relationships hmm. was really affected by going through this, this cohort because I had a lot of questions and a lot of frustration about how mm. to inhabit spaces I'm in. Yeah. 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 Mm. So we are doing the series on power um, and we're focusing on race and gender in the church, primarily focusing on non-white, non-male voices. But Gino, you're, uh, you're as white as they come and you also are as male as they come. And, but you've had, uh, we wanted you to have you on the podcast to tell a bit of your story about how you've experienced power uh, in the church over the last several decades as a participant and also as a leader. So uh, where do you want to start? How do you want to kick us off? Well, I mean, I I think um, that's a a good question. I'm not really sure. The story is really long because it's, you know, a lifelong experience and I'm getting older every single day. (laughs) (laughs) But I think specifically where I had an awakening um, to what how power is used in the church was just in a really mm. negative experience. I was extremely, mm. extremely naive. Um, I, my wife and I didn't grow up in the church. We, we came to faith after we got married. We've been married 20 years. And we, um, after about, uh, I'd say about six or seven years in this church, we had a desire to plant a church and to move into Philadelphia to do that. And we were sent by our church to consider doing that. We ended up partnering with a church in, in Philadelphia for some training. And that, in that environment, I was quickly received in and welcomed as someone who had you know, some training, some experience, and could 
be a, a help and moved within the first year and a half into being a pastor, um, another elder there in this kind of independent church that was affiliated with different church planting organizations. Mm. Um, and, and so there, so what I want to name for myself is I had a desire to learn. I had a desire to be a part of something. Yeah. I had a desire to, yeah. to fit in. Mm. And, and I had some skills, but I didn't have a pedigree in the church. You know, I didn't know church politics. I didn't I know church polity <laughs> specifically. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I can keep talking, but I think I wonder if there's a question there. Yeah. I wonder, too. <laughs> um, no, as, as you're talking, Gino, I think uh, this, is, this aligns closely, I think, with a lot of my story. I came mm. to faith later in college, uh, having grown up in the church, but not really took, take, uh, having taken ownership of that personally. You know, it was more of a cultural family thing. And then I, I really owned it personally and began to be on the lookout for people who seemed like they were confident and competent. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows how mm-hmm. to do this Christian thing well? And yeah. I, I fell in with a band of people that uh, did not lack for confidence and seemed yeah. competent about what they were confident in. And it sounds like yes. uh, very similarly, and I was eager to learn too. Yeah. And um, it, it's it's hard to, it's hard, I say it's challenging to talk about yourself in such a way, but like what I have a perspective and a way of understanding myself. And one of the things that I've learned from this experience is I'm not, I'm not like an alpha male guy. I'm not a prototypical tough guy either. I might have an imposing posture and figure, but I'm not that guy. That's not how I was raised. Um, divorced parents. Mm. My mom kind of instilled, raised us and instilled a lot of just different values and ways of living in the world. But I'm a loyal person and I'm, I quickly trust people. And so when I saw mm. people with confidence and competence, I saw, and learning how to live in the church, I saw that as there's something inherently wrong with me that I need to learn from these people because I don't speak with the same kind of confidence. Oh, I don't have I the same kind of clarity of conviction. I don't speak with the same kind of authority. I'm much more comfortable sitting with people and listening to them rather than telling them what they need to do. Hmm. And so I thought my training was to toughen up. That's what I needed because that's what I was hmm. being told. So it's, that wasn't just an internal narrative that you had of like, oh, those people look really confident and they're, they're, they're doing it right. And I, there's something wrong with me because I, I'm not like that. Um, I must need to learn from them. Um, yeah. but that learning was almost like a shame. There's almost shame in the learning. Like yes. uh, the fact that I need to learn means there's something shameful about me that I, that I'm not the right kind of person. Yeah. Uh, but you, you also said that, that that was an explicit uh, narrative. It wasn't just internal for you, but y- you were told you needed to toughen up. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. The, the, I can give you some examples. Sure. Yeah. But and, love to hear and, and in hindsight, I go back and see, wow, I know what was, I know the theology that was at work here. I know the power dynamics that were at work there, but then I had no idea. I just felt you just sort of took it at right. face value. Yeah. But it, or well, like, it did, it didn't feel right, but it, it also was like, 
well, I guess I guess I need to learn this, or I guess I I guess I should yeah. toughen up. Yeah. yeah, or that maybe there's something wrong with me. Like I, I yeah. think there's there's something there's something nice about innocence and feeling like, <laughs> hey, I'm going to trust someone. I'm going to consent yeah. to trusting someone. Yeah. And and we're told, oh, you know, a good Christian will mm. seek to to just understand and and put others in for themselves and consider what they're saying yeah. and not be so arrogant. But that can be really quickly i found out that's a power move yeah. you can be you're you're someone's gaslighting you the entire time <laughs> telling you that you're 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 trying to grasp for something and you don't know so one one situation that occurs to me was um the the person the guy that i was partnered with in ministry at one point we'd work together um we ended up like moving into a house that he owned three doors down from the church office so we were intimately oh, wow. involved like Wow. Best best friends or families together, working together. And one day, just in a conversation, he had said, I don't know how it started, but he had said to me, I really, I really feel badly for you because you didn't grow up in a Christian home and you didn't have the values instilled in you and you didn't have a father that kind of led you like I did. And I really feel like um, I can help you with that. And I'm like, mm. I'm a... Th- 37-year-old man. Like, what are you saying? <laughs> and, and so instead, I didn't erupt because that would be sometimes my tendency would be like, what the heck? I just said, hey, I don't make any apologies for my story. I'm, I'm hmm. grateful for my story. Hmm. I appreciate your concern, but I think that my story is the one that I'm learning to follow Jesus in. And I think it has value. I yeah. feel like it has value. I don't think mm-hmm. that there's a hierarchy mm. of stories. Mm. Yeah. And I, and I feel like in hindsight, I rejected his like gaslighting yeah. and then the game was afoot. <laughs> uh, hmm. Okay. So the so game he, was afoot. That's a yeah, funny way to put it, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. So, I mean, when you're a leader, uh, people will let you do what they want and he moved on you like a dad is what you're saying. He totally did. <laughs> He totally let, did. Let the hearer he understand. Saw, yes, he yeah. saw he saw a person who had probably some dad issues, and yeah. went into that. Yeah. So maybe like I, I know we throw terms around like gaslighting all the time, but maybe not everybody's familiar with what you're talking about. Um, how is what he said to you? Because I, I I could imagine some people hearing that and thinking, oh man, I I'd love if somebody would do that for me, or mm. I'd love if somebody cared for me in that way. Like it could sound caring, and sound like something that um, you know, might be uh, welcomed in some people's lives. So why was it? What is gaslighting, and why is that gaslighting? Why was that yeah, gaslighting for you? I'm I'm not an expert, um, but I would say that someone repeatedly telling you things about yourself so that you would believe that's the narrative of your life or that's what you're experiencing, even mm-hmm. if it's not what you're experiencing, is a form of of gaslighting. Yes. Um, and I, I mean, I know the origin from the play and all of that um, that we could talk about. With, with, right, but, I, um, I, this, it's obscure. I, I can't even remember yeah. what it is. But, but yeah, the term has come to mean like when someone, someone is sort of feeding you a narrative that isn't your experience, but trying yes. to convince you that it is your experience. Yes. Yeah. And so, so that story, and I, and I, I do empathize with people who could see that, receive that offer (laughs) as as a welcome but i would suggest Mm. that could that offer come with a hey how do you feel about this what are you desiring right rather than imposing 
Here's what you need. Yes. And so that behavior became the norm in that Mm. environment. And I started picking up on it. So things started to escalate around a few things. And I'll just, because I don't want to take too much time on the story. I want to talk about the learnings, but there's important pieces here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there was a, there, there was an event that was, that happened where that he called all the men in the church together to have a, like a men's meeting about some issues that were in the church. Mm-hmm. And I organized it at his request, brought all my friends in there and it turned into like a, I don't know how long it was, maybe 35, 40 minutes, basically of like a locker room, like pep talk kind of rally, Mm. criticizing the men for not knowing their place and for being soft and not being obedient. And it was, it was really uncomfortable as I had to like stand beside him as he did this and then say, do you have anything to say? And I was like, oh I'm not sure we should be here. I think that's what I said. So did then, you say that up front to all I, the men? I, I think I did. I was like, I think you've said enough. And I got some people talking to me and it was obvious that there was a division among the two leaders. Okay. And that, so my job this was- This is you and the to, other guy. Yeah. Now okay. it was my, my job to manage that. And start seeing that. And people would start coming to me and say, mm. I've experienced him like this. What can you do about that? And I'd say, <laughs> you need to talk to him. <laughs> but but I, yeah. also, I also started gathering all this information. There was also financial issues because we were raising support together. And, and I had talked oh, yeah. to him about like, hey, we're, we're struggling financially right. because we haven't gotten all these things in order. I'm not sure if there's something wrong, but I just came to him, you know, like, hey, let's figure this out together. Mm-hmm. And we made this commitment to do that. Well, it never happened. And it turned into us not being able to pay some of our bills, like not oh, having yeah. money. Yeah. And I, I had my own practice that I was working less time because I was giving more time to the church. I could go back and work. That wasn't the issue. I wasn't asking for something that we couldn't have. I was saying, are we going to do this? But that that's mm. that couple months where our finances were a difficulty and I started asking questions about the finances of the church was when things really turned. So yeah. it went yeah. to money. And maybe now I had something on him. I wasn't thinking that, but I could expose something because I was called into a meeting wow. with him where he told me I needed to step down because I wasn't financially sound. I had gotten into an argument with my wife. We got into a pretty big fight around the finances like what are we going to do and she was rightfully concerned Uh we came to him about our fight because we're open about these things that hey we could use some help and he he used that to come back and tell me that there's problems in my marriage i was not allowed to talk to married people and i didn't Uh i had problems with my finances so i needed to step down as an elder and a pastor so i needed to lose the job that i had basically also and I, I thought, well, this is kind of crazy. This doesn't seem like how it should work. Yeah. And that's when all the whole story, all of the stories of everything that he had said was just put in front of me. And I, I lost it. I lost my cool. I told him that he could have his kingdom and I'm getting out of here. But I didn't <laughs> okay, so say wait, it. Me, I used other words. <laughs> other words. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, wait, so when you say then, then it all came out. What, what are you referring to? Like, what came out? What did he say? How did that... It sounds like there was a dam that broke open. What was yeah. that? Yeah, that's that's helpful. Maybe I can go back and clarify. After, before there was the, the, the telling me that my finances were out of order, I had come to him and said, we have a problem. 
people are talking to me about how they're experiencing you and I'm asking them to come to you and they're not doing it. And I'm concerned about your reputation and I want to work this through with you as, you know, your partner in this. Um, He received that as me bringing charges against an elder without any um, witnesses and then Mm -hmm. started. Yeah, it was really it was really creepy, hmm. but the whole the whole thing was then uh, it was now a case building a case against Gino and why he's unqualified. So people bringing, were coming to you and saying, "Hey, Frank is a real jerkhead," and you're like, "Okay, well, you should go talk to Frank about him being a jerkhead." And they're like, "No, yes. no, 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 um, I, I I can't do that." And you had a number of these conversations. So you went to Frank and you said, "Hey, a lot of people think you're a jerkhead, but they won't come talk to you about it. Can we talk about that?" Yeah, he's, they were he, scared of him, right? Exactly. Well, he sounds like a charming fella. Uh, yeah. No, so so then and then that became the issue that you tried to talk to Frank about that. Yes, exactly. But that was bringing charges. The the way that was framed was that bringing charges against an elder without witnesses. And so yeah, there were two yeah. other elders in the church that weren't staff, and okay. they started having meetings without me and talking about me. They made decisions because, and then they said, like, Gino is, they brought me in. I didn't know what the meeting was about. They'd tell me, here's the list of things that you've done. You need to repent of all of these or, and, and you need to step down. And I was like, but none of this happened. None of this is actually true. (laughs) Well, you don't have any conviction. And so you're, and I thought, I just, I'm just questioning whether actually this is real. Yeah. Can I point something out here? This, Please do. this is a common tactic of people mm. who demonstrate abusive, toxic leadership, mm-hmm. of narcissists, of cult leaders. <laughs> yeah. they, they will regularly accuse other people of what they themselves are doing. Mm-hmm. So that, so that y- you come to him and you say, hey, we, I've got an issue. People mm-hmm. won't talk to you, and I keep trying to have them talk to you, and I don't know what to do about it. And mm-hmm. they interpret that as you bringing a list of charges and accusing them. And then the way they handle it is they bring a list of charges and accuse you. Yes. Yeah. Without, without any kind of conversation beforehand. Yes. Yeah. yes. So this is, a, this is a typical pattern of toxic, abusive leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will blame other people and accuse other people of doing what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. I, and I didn't know Man. any of that then. All I knew was... Mm-hmm hey, we're supposed to be honest and open with each other and we'll work these things through by making space for Jesus to help us discern. Yeah. And so yeah. it, it, it changed my way of like being. Um, I was, yeah, hmm. I, I think that's hmm. the closest I've ever been to like a nervous breakdown because when you're being constantly told that reality as you see it is not reality and you're wrong for that. So when I asked those questions like, hey, I don't really see that this is what I did. I definitely lost my temper, and and I asked for forgiveness for that, and it was extended in front of the witnesses and all that, but it was never <laughs> recognized. And yeah. so what, what happened next was because I refused to submit to all of their charges was the language. There'd be yeah. letters dropped in my mailbox, by the way, explaining what I did wrong. It was really creepy. Um, mm. Our entire community was told not to be in relationship with us, so we were... Shunned, shunned by yeah and we had like started missional communities mm. multiplied missional communities had great na- re- relationships with our neighbors who became our only friends because they were the only ones that weren't forbidden to spend time with us 
And so we're living in isolation yeah. in a very tiny church, you know, there's yeah, not, totally. but those are all our relationships. And the whole time I'm thinking, I just got to figure out how I can make this right because I probably messed up. They're saying all these things and you're yeah. being told like, hey, how proud are you that you won't listen to people that have walked with you for years? This podcast is brought to you by Gravity Leadership Academy, our 10-month online training intensive for Christian leaders who want to root their life and leadership in God's love and bring lasting transformation to their culture. In Gravity Leadership Academy, you'll learn the real-life practicalities of how to notice God's presence and activity in and around you so you can participate more fully in God's life and mission and open up space for those around you to do so too. We've worked really hard to make this training in missional leadership practical and doable. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com slash academy. And I, I, I recognize that feeling, Gino, um, you know, have, having had um, a similar experience. Um, just to, like, it's, it's really hard to admit that feeling I find because there's just so much shame wrapped up in it of just like, yeah. am I not even seeing things right? Yeah. Or like, did I get like did I get taken for a ride here? You know what I mean? Like, so, and so like you're, you almost feel like you're pot committed, you know, it's like, yes. well, I got to see this through to the end. Otherwise I'm going to look like an idiot. Well, that, that was exactly like it. Yeah. That was exactly it. It was just like, I don't trust myself enough to think that I should take a hard stance on this. Mm, yeah. Like there, there, yeah. Certainly, I, I can I can live in humility, and that's all the language yes. that's being used. It's all that language, and yeah, people, it sounds but great. It's biblical. It does. Yeah, yeah. But there was no there was no solution. I mean, I went to I went to Frank personally at his home, and asked for his forgiveness. We we cried together, and he denied that that situation ever happened publicly. So the thing is. Yeah, the things escalated. I asked for so wait, mediators. Can, can, yeah, please can I, go can ahead. I pause, can I pause for a second? I want to point yeah. out uh, the elements of your story that are common, mm-hmm. that are common to these stories. Because I know people are listening that have Franks in their life. Maybe they maybe they are a Frank. This is today's the day of salvation. Like uh, like, <laughs> but um, the the other part of what's happening here is that even even the things you're saying, Gino, now, Gino, twenty twenty one. Says them and they're like, "Isn't this crazy?" But yeah. in the moment, you are doubting yourself. You think mm-hmm. you're the crazy one. You think you've done something wrong. I've got to find a way. I've got to find a way to make this make sense of this. That 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 what they're saying is true. Mm-hmm. And this is the reality distortion field that we get into when we're with toxic and abusive leaders. They make us doubt our sense that we know what's real and what isn't. And we keep, and what, what, what happens is, you mentioned gaslighting earlier. Mm-hmm. I, I've experienced this, Gino, as I'm gaslighting my own conscience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling myself, you must have done something wrong. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. And now you have to take responsibility for these satanic accusations and try to, right? And so you end up gaslighting yeah. yourself. You end up sort of traumatizing your own conscience in order to make this abusive, toxic, narcissistic leader narrative fit. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't, and this doesn't even address the conversations that are going on between my poor wife, Jill, and Uh. my kids 
who are trying to understand my my daughter, my our oldest is nine or ten at this time, and saying, "How come no one comes over anymore? Like, what's mm. wrong with us?" Mm. And our explanation is like, "Well, I just didn't do something right," and they feel like they need to keep me from people until we work that out. And and her response is, "Well, can't you just ask for forgiveness?" And you're like. Out of the mouths of babes. Oh, I think I've gosh. tried that. It doesn't seem to work. You know, yeah, there's just all yeah. this trauma being trickled down, in a sense, onto other people. Yeah, totally. Trauma. Yeah. yeah, and uh, and so the story goes on. I I think that there was um, they had decided because I was, you know, it not not consenting or not submitting to their needs for me that they were going to remove me. They're going to do that publicly. And, and we'd sit in meetings and they would bring up new charges out of nowhere. And these were some of my closest friends were just mm. on board out of fear. They didn't know how to oppose yeah. it. Yep. Um, so they, mm. they called to do this at the end of a, a, a public gathering. And the night before that or the morning of that gathering, I met with them and said, because they had listed, they, they read me the paper that they're going to read. They're going to read all of these charges because it's going to be emotional for them. And... I said, I don't agree with any of these except for the anger thing. I'm still on board with, I lost my temper. I'm totally on board with that. I will name that. Yeah. And, uh, and I'll name it without saying all the things you did to provoke me to that, to that hmm. flipping over tables kind of yeah. moment. But uh, I went into their morning prayer and I said, hey, I'd like, to, I'd like to demonstrate some unity in this, even in the midst of all of this. And so if you're going to say all of these things, because they had asked me to publicly speak and accept this that I would, or to repent. And I said, I will stand up in front of the congregation and repent of my anger. I will do that. If mm -hmm. that will help us move towards unity, mm -hmm. because people are confused, people don't understand. Yeah. And you're going to list, a, but I'm not, I'm not going to deny that I, I'm not going to say I object to the rest of this. I'm simply going to I'm going to submit to that. So that goes to what you're mm. saying, and Matt. It's like, even in the midst of this, mm. I was willing to do something that was just so damaging to me. So they, they got to that point. There was, a lot of, um, there was a lot of talk between them. People didn't want to do it. One of the elders came over to me and said, I have to read this, and I'm, I'm refusing to do it because I care about you too much. I'm not going to. I was like, you just need to do what you need to do. Like, this is yeah. what you need to do. Mm. And so they didn't read from the sheet. They... Hmm. In a moment that was so <laughs> supposed to crystallize the charges, they just effectively spoke off the cuff and started talking about things that weren't on there, that were never brought up. Oh, um, new, new things? New things. Oh, they gosh. specifically mentioned issues with my marriage. Oh, wow. And so my wife and I are this sitting is there. This, this is, is public. public. This is oh, public. Yeah. This is a Sunday okay. worship service. Woohoo! Praise the Lord. Um, Praise God. <laughs> and I'm sitting there just crying with my yeah. wife and no one knows if any of this stuff is true or not. They're just assuming it is. So yeah, we were publicly, were crying. Yeah. publicly shamed. Yep. And it came to the point where Frank says, well, Gina wants to speak to you, to you all and kind of discuss this. They did not mention anger. I should have said that they named everything from, I don't know, things I did in the 12th grade to <laughs> whatever. I'm just kidding. That's not true. Okay. <laughs> I, at this point, I believe you. <laughs> right. It felt, right. I was it like, felt like wait, it. That feels like a joke, but did they? Yeah. It, felt, it felt like it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he looked at me and said, like, he's going to come up and, and, you know, talk to you. And I just shook my head and refused because that was the first moment mm. that I felt like the only way to address this evil is to resist it. 
It's mm. it's not to play with it. It's not mm. to tinker. It's not to try and overpower it. You just have to resist it. And my resistance will be, I'm going to be quiet. I'm not going to speak anymore. I'm not going to stir them up. I'm not going to cooperate. I'm not going to participate in exactly. these shenanigans. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And you can imagine that that didn't go very well for me. So, yeah. No, yeah. but I there is a sense, though, in which it seems like you marked it as this watershed moment for you yeah. of like, mm. you know what? No. Yeah. Like I, I'm not going to cooperate with this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And yeah, all hell breaks loose after, after, after that. But yes. Yeah. We, like, we, we left, we just had to leave. Yeah. We, we, we moved out quickly. We just left. We told them we can't do this. This isn't, yeah. it, it became so personal that we were being under a microscope. My wife's <laughs> movements and how she, how she would be her, the the her the, the her facial expressions during a Sunday gathering were analyzed, and then I was given a report. What's wrong with her? I said, this is creepy. We don't. This isn't helpful. And you were given you know, a report. Yeah, Crazy, I would man. be. I would. I would go into a meeting, and they would tell me what's wrong with your wife. You need to like work with her on this. I'm like, uh, this. This is just weird. It's. It, it just got so weird. I mean, sorry, as we're man. talking, things come up, and I'm going, wow. Yeah. I forgot that that happened, you know? It's, yeah, you know, yes, I do want yes, to say this too. It is weird, yes. Gino, but right, we can, I think it's important to name it's more than weird. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Because there's, for too long, we haven't spoke plainly and directly about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Out of, out of this, out of, for sake of unity or for sake of not wanting to besmirch people's reputations. I mean, Frank is anonymous uh, to everyone who's listening, but. Um, it's, it's, it's also wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's weird, but it's also wrong. Yeah. 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 Um, mm-hmm. and I think, I think there's people, there are, I know, I know when I've gone through similar stuff like this, I need, I just needed somebody to tell me, Hey, what happened to you is wrong. Mm. Yeah. Cause it validated, um, people saw the hurt and saw the pain mm. and it helped me not feel crazy. Yes. And I didn't get that for a long time. And yeah, so, so I, I so want guys, people to hear that. I want people to hear that. And yeah. I want to be someone who's able to say, even if you've done wrong things in the process of being wronged, it was wrong. It <laughs> yes. was wrong. Yes. Yeah. It's not like your anger earned you uh, all this wrongdoing as, you know, retributive punishment or as some sort right. of yeah. weird yeah. tit for tat. Right. It didn't even happen in that sequence, you know? No. Um, yeah. So you get shunned. You, yeah. can't, go, you can't go anymore. What, what happens next? Why, how did you, why are you still Christian? Yeah, yeah that's a really <laughs> good question, man. Because yeah, I, I think part of it is the, mo- the, 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 real, the biggest reason is because I find Jesus way too compelling to let other people get in the way of how I mm. um, relate to him. Mm. But also I think I was just too naive thinking that, well, this was just a bad experience and I'll learn from it and we'll just keep making disciples because we love Jesus. But mm. it was the unwinding of this over time because, I mean, this, this still has implications in my life to, the de- to today because oh, okay. this is not a resolved situation. And that's why I say, like, it's a long story that could go on, but there was, I've had to go, I've gone through and had to go through three different processes of reconciliation and it hasn't happened every time now the the end result is the the mediator saying um he's got issues 
And until he's ready to start asking for some forgiveness and owning some stuff instead of putting it all on you, this isn't going to happen. Oh my goodness. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, um, why am I still following Jesus? I, I think that um, I've learned a lot about power dynamics. And mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I want to be very clear and say that I don't believe that God allowed this to happen so that I could learn these things <laughs> about power dynamics. Good. Yeah. I think that this is an evil that needs to be resisted. And I could have learned these things apart from this story, hmm. but God comes behind this story to show yeah. me some things yeah. that, that I can learn from. And yeah. I started asking yeah. the question, here's the question, is I started asking the question is like, what does this say about what we believe about God that we feel like we need to pow- have power over people to yep. accomplish mm. things? Yep. And yes. what does it say relatedly when people don't do the things we need them to accomplish and we respond to them with punishment? Hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and what yeah. I found well, could you what answer I found those, could you answer those questions? <laughs> I could. I could. I, I will. Yeah. Yeah. I think that okay. I think that lis- listening to others and to myself, I think that that tells a story about. Whew, I think it tells a story about a certain view of God. Yeah. I'm like. God, God's posture towards us is like kind of low key frustrated <laughs> that we're not, that we've screwed things up and, or he's hovering over us and saying like, you're gonna, you're gonna mess this up. And so I need to come alongside you and show you a better way. I need to teach you what it's like to have a real Christian family growing up. I need to, I need to teach mm. you how to obey for fear of retribution. Mm. And we just still can't follow this mythical God. So in the fullness of time, which I think equates to when God has had it up to here with you, <laughs> he sends Jesus. And Jesus says, like, hey, I'm going to show you how to do this right because mm. I care about you. Mm. And I just mm. want to make sure that you know that in my doing it right, you've been doing it wrong for a very long time. Because while I'm going to be merciful now, I am coming back like Mad Max Jesus, you know, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I'm going to come back and I'm just going to slaughter everyone. Oh, man. Yeah. Because I'm really, really, as much as I talk about love, I'm really angry. Yeah. And retribution will be had, but I'll give you a few chances. Yeah. That's yeah, what dude. I think the God sounds like. Yeah. yeah, dude. Yeah, so what you're saying is you think that there's a, there's a theological malformation here, not just a character or a neurological malformation, that we're actually, when people, when people treat each other like this, we're mimicking in some ways, a deficient or incomplete theology that gets God wrong, and so then it gets what are humans and how do we treat humans wrong too. Yes, mm-hmm. and more than just a theology, like as something in our head, it becomes a lived reality with our bodies, that we experience a God that wants to get things done through force and threats, or mm-hmm. there will be hell to pay, uh, mm-hmm. literally in this mm-hmm. view. Um, and so we embody a behavior of, well, I got to get people to do things right. And so I need to use whatever force, power, agency I have to get people to obey, um, whether that's what, what is referred to as evangelism or any, I mean, it's, it's the colonial project in Christianity and they're not, they're not separate. Unfortunately, yeah. that's our history. And so we can see yeah. this. And so I don't want to say too much and say that everyone that experiences this power knows that they're part of this colonial project. But I do see a similarity yeah. that we can trace this back to the roots of American Christianity. 
Yeah, that's a big statement. <laughs> I've been doing a, a lot statement. of thinking over the last decade. Yeah, and a lot of reading. I mean, we um, yes, a lot of you know, and a lot of these um, a lot of these things are coming out right now. You know, we're yeah. a part of this series. We're going to interview um, Kristen uh, Dumay. Jesus mm. and John Wayne outlines a lot of that history. Um, I know uh, Willie James Jennings. I know you read that uh, his yep. Christian imagination and all that kind of thing. So yeah, I think a lot of these. Um, the, the, I think for me, the most disturbing part of the revelations and just kind of the seeing the history of all this stuff is is how much this isn't just a few bad apples. It's not these outliers. It's not like, but this is baked in. It's endemic. Yes. It's it it arises out of a deeply held ideology that we didn't even realize was an ideology. We just thought it was like Christianity. We thought it was just faith. We just thought yeah. we just had these assumptions yeah. about you know what it means to be a man or what it means yeah. to have power or what it means to lead um, that we didn't even realize we were reading into the text. We were reading into our faith from these other sources. Yeah, and and it's so true because while I I come I have I had begun to reject these things theologically, I'm yeah. still formed and shaped. Yeah. over years of how I inhabit spaces. And so if God, if God yeah. is, is just like Jesus, <laughs> yeah. then maybe everything changes. But mm. that doesn't mean that I start acting differently right away. That doesn't mean that I start responding differently right away. Yeah. Mm. But maybe I start thinking, so I find Jesus very compelling because he doesn't use his power to get things done. He, mm. he actually says, come and see come and follow me hmm. and you'll see the presence of god in ways that you've never expected mm -hmm. you'll see mm -hmm. things that you've and you will see power in a totally different way one mm -hmm. that doesn't doesn't use itself to get things over on people but instead extends itself like drains itself for the filling of others mm -hmm. this yeah. canonic cruciform yeah. Reality and Jesus offers us participation in that, and I think that maybe, maybe the way that. Well, I guess I'd say this way. Um, at first, I was really I'd, I'd be very angry about what had happened, and I want to blow things up. Mm. But I, you know, mm. and I want to name names, and I wanted, and I realized like that is just the same kind of power, yes. just used for my idea of good. Yeah. yeah. And maybe that's helpful for people. I'm not saying I don't. I I'm not against naming names and doing this thing. We we don't have to just be passive. But I'm saying my imagination for using power was just yeah. power for my desires. Yeah, yeah. Not not making space. Yeah. And unwinding this structure. Yeah. yeah. So lo lobbying lobbying accusations against them, and and hauling them to court. Yes. Like they lobbed accusations against yeah. you and lobbed and drug you to court. You you use the word resist in your story. Yeah. That mm -hmm. that you at one point you refused to participate in the kangaroo court on Sunday morning and you just yes. didn't get up and speak. Could you say more about how we embody power as Christians, um, not passively and also not uh punitively, yeah. but but in this posture of resistance yeah um i i think that willie james jennings says it best when he describes joy and he mm. says that joy is an act of resistance against despair and all of its forces 
And I think what he means by that <laughs> is the despair in all the ways that it wants us to draw us into believing that death is the final reality. Not just physical death, but <laughs> the idea that, that the things that strangle off life, he says. Um, so violence, debt, war, <laughs> oppression. Um, and that, that to find joy is to actively resist that. Not to, not to say that it's not, a, not actually happening, but that we resist that. So for me, the act of resistance was to name that this isn't the way things are supposed to be. You're, you're not mm. supposed, if you've, even if yeah. you've done all of these things, yeah. you're not supposed to be publicly shamed so that you would be restored. That, right. that doesn't compute. Yeah. And say that I'm just not going to participate in that, not because I'm denying that this is actually happening in front of me, yeah. but I'm going to resist it by saying, I will not be part of something that causes death. Yes. I just won't. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of, um, I think Dallas Willard used to talk about, talk about it like that. Like this, there's this, like, um, I can't remember how he named it, but something like that of this patient, um, insistent non-participation in evil. I think yes. he just says like, mm. I just ref- like that, that's resisting evil. You don't, you know, sort of use the power of the ring, uh, to, to, you know, kill Sauron. Yeah. You, you refuse to participate in that kind of power. Mm. Um, and you refuse to participate, um, in, in those kinds of, um, in those kinds of games. And so yeah. I, I think there is a, a beautiful picture there. And it is important, I think, because sometimes our only imagination is, okay, roll over and take it. Yeah. Or, yep. you know, like, um, or like stand up and fight, you know, and pop the yes. guy in the mouth. You know what I mean? Like those are our only two yes. imaginations. But I think there is this like brilliant, nonviolent, mm-hmm. non-punitive, mm-hmm. the way of Jesus is like this patient, but mm-hmm. insistent non-participation in evil. And that's the resistance. It's just like, I won't participate in this, yeah. no matter I, what the cost, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'd love to speak to that because Go ahead. my response to this, I mean, it was, well, if that's what power is, I'm never going to do that to anyone. Right. So mm-hmm. I like pendulum swing the other way, right? Mm. Um, I'm coming out of this, and, I, um, and that's when I met you, Ben. Um, we, mm. we started doing some training. I was... I was fresh out. You were and, you were out of you were on the other side of that at that point. Yeah, okay. by about by about six months to a year, you know, okay. and yeah. was invited to do some training and coaching because of some of the things that we were still involved in, but still feeling like I don't know how to do. I'm just going to be passive. So that was the thing, you know. The, just be passive. That's the way I. That's the way I don't hurt anybody. Is yes. I just won't lead anybody. I just won't yes. sort of do anything. Yeah. Yes. So, so the language that we use in gravity that's really helpful for me is that I just figured like, I'll just be nice more often than I get tough <laughs> yeah, and I'll learn how to manage the outcomes. Yeah. And, and so, you know, there's tools that, that not from gravity, but that are out there that I've used about inviting people in or challenging them to participate. And it's still the same form of power is what I found. Yeah. It's still me determining how to manage these people to get them where I need them to be. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to coerce them or, or at least just try to like, trying to get people to do stuff. It's yes. power that tries to get people to do stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And I, so and the, I, yeah, so go ahead, Matt. Well, I'm just so curious about this, you know, because I think this is where we typically get to the end of people's 
experience and imagination for how to relate to others when they're holding mm. authority and power. We yes. either it's either um, lowest common denominator. Uh, we'll take a vote and we'll go with the majority, um, yeah. or it's I've got this agenda, I've got a a plan, and I have to use um, g- whatever methods or means that are acceptable mm. to get people on board with this because the ends justifies the means. Not that the means I want to be evil, but right. you know, sometimes you have to, sometimes if you're driving a bus, you'll hit some things, you know? Yeah. And so right. if those two things aren't the answer, I have two questions for you and we can tackle yeah. them one after the other. One is what does it look like to use your power of resisting evil for the sake of other people? Mm. So how do you, how does this play out? For instance, when you're advocating for justice on behalf of marginalized or minority people or powerless or penniless, etc. And then mm-hmm. second, um, that's resisting evil. How do we resist evil without returning evil for evil? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe to maybe to put a Bible juke on it. Yeah, that's that's good. Those are good questions. I wish I had really formed answers, but I'll tell you what what I think initially, and we can just process that. Okay. Um, I think that they look one and the same. And I think that the response is it's an altogether different kind of power that we use in resistance in most situations. And that's one of love. And, and love looks like opening space for mutuality, opening space to tend to what God is doing in the world mm-hmm. and to name it and then yeah. learn together with people. What does this mean for you? How are you responding to this situation? Uh, and that's that's not power over people in many situations, but that is that is a natural form of resistance to the way power works in the world, because it doesn't it doesn't just push back against the forces in the sense of uh, we're doing a tug of war kind of thing. Mm. It actually says I'm doing something totally different than playing this tug of war. I'm just opening space for conversation and naming what we're noticing and, yeah. and processing our desires. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, this gets back to our view of God and what we think is going on, right? Because I, I think there is this profound insecurity that drives that the power dynamic that you're uh, describing, that you came mm. out of, the abusive power dynamic, this profound insecurity um, about God. Yeah. That like, if I don't, if I don't get this right, if I don't grow this church, if I don't get Gino to, you know, get in get in line if i don't if i don't make this thing happen like it's all going to fall apart and there's this um in in the way of leadership that you know that you're describing the power of love mm-hmm. there is a we have to be confident that god actually is present here that god yeah. actually is working and that um, I'm ready to be surprised by what he might be doing. Yes. You know, yes. I don't need to get my way in this situation because how do I know my ways like God's way? And how would we know what God's way is unless we open up the kind of space where we could discern it together? And so I, I think it's just, it, it's a manifestation of a, of a lot more confidence in mm. a God of love who is yes. actually trying to, to uh, create goodness and flourishing and forgiveness and beauty um, in our lives. And we, mm. if we trust that, then we can open up that kind of space. Um, if we don't trust it, man, yeah. we got to go through all kinds of crap to get people to do stuff. Yes. You know, I feel, I feel like it might've sounded like I deflected your question, Matt. So I want to, I want to speak specifically to engaging injustice, mm. um, and different yeah. ways in our neighborhood and what this looks like. Cause I was just trying to give a broad yeah, breast. breast of like what it looks, yeah. yeah. Um, entering in with people, and not assuming that I know what resistance looks like. That's, that's what it looks like first. The fir- first mm. is presence and mm-hmm. listening. And then advocating 
for the things that they're desiring that sound like what Jesus would do if he were me in this situation. Hmm. And so if I do have any kind of agency, it's leveraged for others. Because, hmm. But as opposed to, and this is what I'll, I'll paint it against, is um, seeing something that's not right and coming in and trying to fix it without ever having a conversation with someone who's actually affected by what I see that's wrong. Yeah. 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 Um, you know what? I, I'm thinking about resisting evil in a non-coercive way, but also mm. non-passively. Um, and do you remember that story from over the summer about the uh, Clark Park in Philly? Yes. Yes, I do. And and the Proud Boys were going to yes. rally there? Uh, yes, we, I do. Will you t- cause isn't that a great picture of it is. resisting evil? Will you tell that story? Because that's in your neighborhood. Yeah, it's not uh, far from us at all. Yeah. Yeah. Will you tell us that story? Yeah. So, so the Proud Boys had organized to have a, a rally demonstration. I don't know what they call it exactly. A show of force in um, a very large inner city park, like it, within the city. I don't mean any, any pejorative thing by saying inner city. Within the city um, at Clark Park, which is in West Philly, not far from us. We have lots of families in our, our church community that live right near there. We spend mm-hmm. time there ourselves. And what word got out on social media that this was happening, West Philly being as West Philly is, everyone just came out and threw mm-hmm. a party that families, um, people from all different um, backgrounds, ethnically, sexual ethics, all of the you know sec- gender gender identities, everything mm-hmm. just having fo- eating food, sharing in games and, and playing music to the point where the Proud Boys rally was not even noticed because there were so many other people that in a sense, love swallowed up yeah. the, the words of hate hmm. and they left. They, they dispersed down to City Hall, which is quite a little ways and had a tiny little demonstration with the people that were left and a party broke out instead of a protest. Hmm. Yeah, so they so just to like sum it up, they threw a party in a place that was going to be a, a, a protest, a divisive, hate-filled protest. And when the hate showed up, there was no place to protest because there was a party. The yes. party was a prophetic uh, demonstration against the hate-filled protest, but it wasn't fighting hate with hate. It was throwing a party, exactly. so there was no room for it. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. like, now this wasn't a Christian idea, right? There was no, no. mega church banner in the park, or you know, you're, the table <laughs> Philly didn't take credit for it. Um, but these are the kind of scandalously subversive ways of engaging evil that I think mm-hmm. is our birthright as Christians. Yes. Yeah. And, and we need to tell stories and hear stories. Uh, not only the negative stories that you shared today, uh, Gino, but the positive stories of how how we can develop an awareness and an imagination for how to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's that's the unwinding of this form of power. You don't you don't oppose it with a stronger show of force, a louder protest. Well, those are methods that people use, but yeah. you do something all wholly altogether different. You open up space for love, and that works in such a different way that it kind of drowns out those other voices. Hmm. Yes. Uh, maybe as we close, uh, the, hmm. uh, the other question I wanted to ask you is, okay, so coerce, like even like a benign coercion, right? 
um, if that's if I don't want to be benignly coercive, and if I also don't want to go just go passive and let people do what they do and just try to make everybody mm-hmm. happy, how do you how do you bear the authority as the pastor of your church? How mm-hmm. do you bear that power yeah, uh, with and for people in a way that doesn't coerce them? So you get yeah. a good idea. You want to do something. You're excited about it. You want to get people on board. How do you lead in a way that doesn't violate people's agency and dignity? Whew. Yeah, that's a that's another podcast, right? Is there, a, <laughs> is there a story or a some kind of artifact that maybe could narrate how that it looks different for you now than it would have 15 years ago? Yeah, I think that the one that we've we are developing a culture where. Um, I'm, I'm a participant in the church, not just the pastor. So I don't necessarily have any more weight than, than anyone else. But in community, I can name things, and that doesn't have to be the directive. I can name a desire, and it can be processed with others. Um, and, I, and other people can do the same. So we can listen to one another and make space for what, what God is doing among us mm. and, and discern together. We, mm-hmm. we intentionally pursue that because we see that um, there's a couple of things that we're, we're aiming for. We want to be the kind of people that are formed and shaped to be with people, that, especially those that are different than them. And so yeah. that takes a kind of spiritual formation to shape people, to know about power dynamics, to understand what they bring into a space. Mm-hmm. And that also subverts this idea of white supremacy having a way to thrive in our church. Mm. Yeah, it's mm. great. Well, I appreciate you, Gino. Yeah, I'm really glad. Me too, man. I'm glad you didn't lose your faith. I'm glad you've had a modicum <laughs> of of healing and reckoning from this. Yeah, I'm really grateful that you honored us with your story today, mm. and you. that we get to work together. Yep. Yes. Thank you, guys. Like I, I didn't get to say it, but Matt, if now when I was in the cohort with you. When I told you guys that you fixed it, I meant like you demonstrated how we don't use power over people, but how mm-hmm. living in grace and truth, living in love is the way to work with our agency. Mm-hmm. So I'm grateful for both of you guys and mm-hmm. for Hardman and for the opportunity to be with you mm-hmm. and uh, share this life in whatever ways we can. So thank you. Awesome. How can people uh, connect with you, Gino? Maybe if they are interested in your church or they want to see the other things you're doing, how can they keep up with you? They can move to Philadelphia because we really believe in <laughs> okay. presence. No, I'm just, I mean, that is an opportunity. Yeah. We, we are on all the that socials. That is on the table. Yeah. Yes, we are on all the socials. I don't say that as a recruiting. I say that we really embody. So to know us is to be with us. But um, in that sense, we do have all, we're on all the socials. So you can get our info. I'm sure they'll be in the show notes. Yep. Yeah, all right, Dan. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Good to be with you. Peace. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke, Matt Tebby, and Ben Hardman. Aaron Sternke does our mixing and mastering. You can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. If you find our podcast helpful, share it with your friends in person and on social media. And don't forget to rate and review us online as well as subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free at gravityleadership.com join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com join. 
And hey, we'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, make a comment, send us an idea, a recommendation, recipe, whatever. You can email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.